Well, good morning to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. I do want to welcome the visitors who are with us this morning. We're glad you're here and invite you to join in and worship with us today. For a message today, I want to think about heaven. Over the last several weeks, death and dying has certainly been on our minds. Some among us have recently lost loved ones. The passing of a loved one is a sad experience, but it's more than that. It's also a very painful experience. It literally hurts inside when we lose someone that is very close to us. In several of these recent passings, we have wondered about the ways of God, God's timing, and when he chooses to call someone from this life is hard for us to understand. God's thoughts and his ways don't always seem right and good to us. And all we can do at times like this is to simply acknowledge that God is God and trust that one day we will understand it. Oh, by and by, like the song says. This morning, I want to think about heaven, the home of the redeemed, the dwelling place of God and his son, Jesus Christ, the place we refer to as our eternal home. As I studied for this message, a phrase of a song kept going through my mind. And this song is sung by the inspirations. And the phrase is, I got more to go to heaven for than I have yesterday. I can't hardly say that phrase without singing it. But no, no. <laughs> you don't want me to try, Josh, you know that. But how true it is with the recent deaths we certainly do have more to go to heaven for than we have yesterday. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, as I meditated on this verse, I had to think, is it really possible to preach a message on heaven? In light of what this verse says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And here I am attempting to preach a message on heaven. I thought of another song, and this song is sung by a few good men ministries, maybe others as well, but it's a song that was written from this very verse in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, and the first verse of the song goes like this, there's a promised land untouched by man, prepared for the saved and blessed, a city built for square far away somewhere as a home for the saints to rest. 
So many have tried, but they couldn't describe all the beauties on that bright shore, for it's never entered in to the hearts of men what the Father has in store. And then the chorus goes, I could sing about heaven for a million years and never get the story told. Of the jasper walls and the gates of pearl and the streets made of pure gold. Even John the Revelator in a heavenly vision could never really say what he saw. I could sing about heaven for a million years and still I could never tell it all. And I'm thinking today, if John the Revelator in a heavenly vision could never really say what he saw, I could preach about heaven for a million years and still I could never tell it all. And so today in this study of the third heaven, we will only be peeking through a slit in the gate so to speak. It's like we're taking a little peep through the keyhole. Now that expression is getting dated. If you children don't know what it means to peek through a keyhole, you'll have to ask your grandpa <laughs> or your grandma. <laughs> but my prayer today is that we together would catch a glimpse, maybe a just a small glimpse of the place that is called heaven. So I have three points for us to consider today. Number one, heaven is a genuine place. Two, heaven is a glorious place. Three, heaven is a guarded place. So let's begin with heaven is a genuine place. Now I have quite a bit of scripture I'm going to refer to and some I'll ask you to turn to, but a lot of it I will just simply read. I will not wait for you to find it, but I'll tell you where it's located and read the verse, and then later on, I have some scripture that you can turn with me to. So number one, heaven is a genuine place. Heaven is genuine because it is a real place. John 14, 1, 2, and 3 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. From this scripture and other similar scriptures, we understand that heaven is not merely a condition, but a real place. Jesus said in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And so heaven is genuine because it is a real place. Heaven is also genuine because it is a place of rest. Hebrews chapter 4, 9 through 11 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall 
according to the same example of disobedience. Revelation 14, verse 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. And so from these scriptures, we see that heaven is a place of rest. You know, as Christians, we are nothing more than pilgrims and strangers on this earth. The Bible tells us that. When we enter the gates of heaven, we will truly be home. We will be at rest. The cares of this life will be over. The things we stress out over and get so worked up about will no longer matter. And you know, a lot of those things really don't matter now either, but we think they do. But in heaven, they won't matter at all. And we will rest, and then we will rest, and we'll rest, and after a while, we'll rest some more. Wow, a place of rest. Now you young fellows maybe say, boy, if that's heaven, I'm not interested. Well, you'll one day be 47 too, okay? There's going to be plenty to do in heaven. And you know, it's hard for us to understand it because we're going to have new bodies. And so, you know, now we think, you know, with these old earthly bodies that are just slowly wearing out, rest seems like a good idea. But up there with a new body... I don't know. Let's go on. Heaven is genuine because it's a residing place. People occupy heaven. Heaven is the eternal dwelling place of God and his son, Jesus Christ. And one of the most beautiful pictures of that is in Acts chapter 7. As the crowd rushed in to kill Stephen, Stephen said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And you know, it's interesting, he said heavens, plural. Do you know why he said that? Because there's three heavens. You got the heaven. The first heaven is where the birds fly. It's the air, the clouds. The second heaven is where the sun, moon, and stars, you have all that. The third heaven is the dwelling place of God. And you know what? They keep trying to make telescopes so they can penetrate the second heaven. Stephen, with his little human eyes, he looked through one, two, and right into three. And what did he see? Well, he gives us a picture of what's in heaven. And so what happens there? Well, the stones begin to fly. And Stephen, he's calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And so there's another picture. Come get me. And so Stephen saw with his own eyes. I'm so glad it's recorded in the Bible that heaven is the eternal dwelling place of God and his son, Jesus Christ. I thought, too, of the conversation 
between Jesus and the thief on the cross. One of the thieves we know blasphemed Jesus. The other thief rebuked him back. He said, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? We're receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then that rebuking thief, he turned to Jesus and he said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know what? Those were words of faith. Those were words of saying, Lord, I believe in you. You know, the blood of Christ was being shed right there before his eyes. What a salvation experience. And then Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Another picture of heaven. Real people live there. God and his son Jesus Christ. Heaven is a residing place. The angels live in heaven. In fact, every glimpse into heaven features the presence of the angel host. And one example of that we find in Luke chapter 15, 10, it's the words of Jesus. And he said this, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so heaven is a place that is full of angels. Heaven is a residing place where the spirits of many saints and children who have gone on before, are waiting for the resurrection of their bodies. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so I take from this verse or this passage, when a person dies, there is a separation of soul and body. But according to these verses, the soul and body will reunite. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then us, if we happen to still be alive and if we still remain, we'll, we'll be right behind them, according to this scripture. And we'll meet the Lord together in the air, in the clouds. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. And so, to those of us who have lost loved ones, let these words comfort you. There will be a reuniting of loved ones in the air. Now that seems a little scary. How that will all be, I don't know. But that's what it says here. And so point number one is heaven is a genuine place. It's genuine because it's real, because it's a place of rest, and because it is a residing place. 
Okay, point number two. Heaven is a glorious place. Heaven is glorious in its creation. In Revelation 21, verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Heaven is not made with recycled or used materials. I make all things new. This is a city that is built by God himself. He created it. He formed it. He furnished it. It is a city that bears the stamp of his power and personality. Heaven is glorious in its duration. As you know, all cities of this earth crumble and decay. Buildings are always in need of repair, renovation. Highways wear out, bridges wear out. Road construction is everywhere. Everything that is made by the hand of man must constantly be renovated and repaired, but not heaven. It is a city of such construction that it will never crumble or decay. 1 Peter 1.4 says to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You know, the reason many of us men stayed employed on this earth is because everything is in constant state of fading away. Heaven will never need a painter. It will not need new carpet, no garage doors to repair. There is gates, no garage doors, no termites to spray. There will be no honey-do list in heaven, no Lowe's, no True Value, no Home Depot, no Friday cleanings in heaven, no dusting, no mopping, no vacuuming. Heaven will never be turned into a slum or bulldoze to make way for new development. It will stand forever. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. Heaven is glorious in its beauty, size, and construction. And I invite you now to Revelation 21. We're going to look at some verses here. First, we'll look at the size of this city. Let's start with 2115. We're going to be kind of bouncing around through 21 and 22 and even maybe go back to chapter 7 after a bit, but uh, we'll stay right here in Revelation for a little bit. But let's talk about the size of heaven. Let's look at that. 21.15. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as breadth. 
We'll start over. Its length is as great as its breadth, and he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. And so you can picture a cube as I see that. Verse 17, let's look at that. Then he measured its walls, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. Now, if we convert these measurements to measurements that we are familiar with, we, will believe, we believe the city is approximately 1,500 square mile, or 1,500 miles square. If it were set along the East Coast, it would stretch from the Atlantic to Colorado and from the Canadian border to the Gulf of Mexico. And so that gives you kind of a picture of the size of the city according to our measurements. The wall stands approximately 216 feet tall. The basis of the design is for beauty rather than protection. If you notice uh, 21, the first part of 18, the construction of its wall was of jasper. And Jasper, understand, is, is clear. The glory of God will radiate and be reflecting from every surface of this wall. The city, we see in the last part of verse 18, the city was pure gold like clear, clear glass. And so there's another picture of the city. The foundations, we have that in 19 and 20, and you have all those different uh, uh, names of precious stones, which some of them we don't even know what they are or, or even can hardly pronounce the, the name. But the foundation of the walls of the city with, are adorned with all kinds of precious stones. And if you, if you study into those different, um, those different um, stones, the, um, what you would see if you would put them all together is like a rainbow is, is kind of the picture there if you study into those different uh, precious stones. And so you have the clear wall, you have the jasper walls, you have this, the foundations giving out these beautiful rainbow colors, and then we have the 12 gates and it says the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. We see that in the first part of uh, verse 21. And then the street in the last part of verse 21, and the street is singular, I find that interesting, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And so if you can think about the foundations giving off these beautiful rainbow collars, and, and then seeing through the streets, I, I don't know what that must look like. And all that reflecting off the walls, what a beautiful place it must be. No wonder the Apostle Paul says that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And you know, as I have studied this and as I thought on it, I'm beginning to see that heaven is so full of glory and beauty 
that even eternity itself will not exhaust all that God has prepared for you and I. And just, just think with me, I'm just using my imagination, but just think with me. You have this city that is 1,500 miles wide and long, and then you have these 12 gates. And it says these 12 gates will always be open. So what's beyond the gates? I, I'm, I'm beginning to see that, that the 1,500 square miles is just simply the city. And then it's going to go beyond that. We don't know. We can only imagine. But I like Ephesians 2, 7, Ephesians 2 verse 7. It says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In my simple mind, I take from this verse that heaven will be one revealing of the riches of God after the next. And so children, you can think about it like this. It will be like Christmas, or it'll be like having a birthday, and there's just always one more gift to open. That's kind of how I see it. And you know, I remember back when birthdays were, when I was young and having a birthday, and uh, you know, you had your presents, your gifts, and uh, you know, you would start opening them, and that's always so much fun, but you get down to that last one. That's kind of sad, you know. But in heaven, you'll just have one more to go. Just one, you'll get that one open, it'll be one more. That's how I see it. In the ages to come, it's just going to be, here, here's just one more. One more. Heaven is glorious in its blessing. While all the glories of heaven mark it as a place unique from any other in the universe, it's really not the physical attributes of the city that makes it so special. So what is it then that makes heaven special? Turn to, uh, if you're still in Revelation, let's read 22, 1 through 5. What is it that makes heaven so special? And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on, on, on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners, twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God, and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. For there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. What is it that makes heaven so special? First, I believe it will be the presence of God and the Lamb, Jesus Christ. According to these verses, when we get to heaven, we are going to see God, and we will see Jesus. And right now, we are separated by the flesh that we wear. We refer to the veil of flesh. One day we will stand in his presence and we'll be free from this flesh and we'll see God in all his glory.
Second, the second thing I see here that will be special about heaven is the promise of no more curse. All the things that hinder and ruin life here will not be allowed in heaven. None of the things that brings tears to our eyes will be there. Even the tears themselves will be forever wiped away by the hand of God. What a glorious future awaits the child of God. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so heaven is a glorious place. It is glorious in its creation. It's glorious in its beauty, size, and construction. It is glorious in its blessing. That brings us now to our third point. Heaven is a guarded place. Heaven is guarded for the saved. 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Heaven is a guarded place. It's guarded for those who have named the name of Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so heaven is guarded for those who are saved. Heaven is also guarded from sorrow. The phrase, no more, no more, is repeated many times throughout the book of Revelation which I believe is simply saying that nothing from this world will enter that world. And I'd like to notice the no mores in Revelation 21 and 22. So you can, if your Bible's still open there, we'll start in 21.1. In, uh, uh, Let's look at the no mores. Revelation 21 verse 1, no more see. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. We talked about those two, the one where the birds are, the one where the sun, moon, and stars are. They had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Now, what does that mean? Well, what does the sea do? The sea divides the land, right? And so there will be no more division. There will be no more separation. Go down to verse 4. We have five no mores. In this verse, we see no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Look in verse 22. No more temples or sanctuaries or churches. 
But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Verse 23, no more sun, no more moon. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Verse 25, no more night. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. Over in chapter 22, verse 3, no more curse. We mentioned that earlier. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And so heaven is a guarded place. It's guarded from the things of this world. Heaven is guarded from sin. If you're there in chapter 21, I may have a problem here in my notes, but let's just keep going and see how it works out here. Uh, heaven is guarded from sin. I have Revelation 21, 24 through 27. I believe that is correct. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in the light. Yes, this is correct. And the kings of the earth shall bring glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But, verse 27, there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so a picture of what will be in heaven. There will be no sin in heaven. It'll be people that are walking in the light of the Lamb. And those folks will have been people who walked in the light on this earth. They will continue walking in the light in heaven. I find that interesting. There will be no temptation in heaven. We will be forever free from the presence of the devil, from temptation of this old sinful flesh, and from all its sin. And that will truly be glorious for me. And so heaven is guarded from sin. Heaven is a guarded place. It is a place for those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now my first point under um, heaven being a guarded place, I said it was for those who are saved. But now I'm saying it, it's a place for those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Shouldn't that all been together? Well, maybe it should have been. But I want to read from chapter 7 of Revelation, and I just want to show you something here. We talked about those who accepted Christ. Yes, they will be in heaven. But here is a group of people who were continually washed as they lived on this earth. And they went through many things. They were more than just saved, okay? They continued Let's read 7:13 through 17 through the end of the chapter, I believe. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? 
And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And I'm not saying I understand all that's being said here, but it's beautiful. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is certainly a special group of people, is it not? And so, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace each hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Heaven is a place. It's a guarded place. It's a place for those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so today we have looked at this study on heaven. And I believe heaven is for real. Heaven is a genuine place. Heaven is a glorious place. And heaven is a guarded place. And I believe there is nothing in this world worth missing heaven for. I believe it's a fact today that we have more to go to heaven for than we have yesterday. And not just because of the passing of loved ones, but because of the condition of this wicked world. It's time to go. And so, dear people, my prayer is that we would lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's, we'll call for a song. Okay, Danny asked if I would lead, there's a city of light. So it's not in our book. I'll just line out the verses before we sing them. So verse one, there's a city of light amid the stars we are told, where they know not a sorrow or care, and the gates are of pearl, and the streets are of gold, and the building exceedingly fair. Then the chorus, let us pray for each other, not faint by the way in this sad world of sorrow and care, for that home is so bright and is almost in sight, and I trust in my heart you'll go there.
Oh. Mm-hmm. 